It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. After that home run and you touched home plate, I don't know if you heard this, but the fans were chanting MVP. And they did it a couple times today. Did you hear that? I did. I did. What did you think? Uh, it's, it's, it's cool, you know. Um, obviously, i got to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, but for me, it's whatever we can do to get the team wins and get us get us to the World Series to get that ring. That's the biggest goal for us. Kind of win twins. What's that baseball song? Listen, man. I haven't even heard that song in like a week and a half. I don't even know what that song is like. I, yeah, there really is. There's nothing like the old Metrodome days. The yeah. smell of oh. dome dogs and peanuts mm. and that song mm. playing as the twins take the field. Plastic. Just the smell of plastic. Hats getting blown <laughs> off as you exit the stadium. Oh, yeah. Oh, every kid loved that. It did. So much fun. Go through you know, the doors. Boys, we all make we all make choices. We all make choices in life. And I have chosen this morning to wake up with a positive attitude about the Minnesota Twins for three reasons. Byron Buxton is the MVP of the American League. And Alex Kirloff plus Nick Gordon are here to save the day. I don't know why those guys weren't up a few days ago. I don't know why Blankenhorn was playing second base with urine running down his leg, but it's still early. The Twins have a bunch of winnable series in front of them, and they are about to shake off the rust. I can feel it. I'm waking up positive on this Friday for Talking Twins. You are only doing that because you took a look at the schedule and saw that they play the Pittsburgh Bleeping Pirates and thought to yourself, well, you should sweep that series no matter how horse bleep you're playing right now. That's why you woke up like that. Yeah, well, it helps. That's it. This is a perfect Pirates. The Bucks are in town. This is like whenever the Viking, whenever Kirk Cousins plays like crap for like a month and everyone's off the wagon, it's like, oh, cool. The Giants are coming to U.S. Bank (laughs) Stadium with Daniel, Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones. So. This is this is a game where the Vikings are going to win by 21 points. The Pittsburgh Pirates are the get-right Week 7 game equivalent for the Minnesota Vikings for the Twins this weekend. Okay, so question on – I'll start with Gordon. And it sort of plays off of what you just said, Phil. Why now? Like, what, what happened now? Like, why not before? Why like, – like, the Kirloff thing I totally get, and I think it's actually sh- – should have been done – on the road, um, I would have put him on a commercial flight and risked it. But I get Kirloff being up completely. But, like, why Nick Gordon now? Um, we went through the whole Blankenhorn thing, the disaster on Wednesday. I guess I'm sort of confused about what spurred you to be like, oh, you know what, now it's Nick Gordon time. 
Yeah, I mean, the Nick Gordon thing in general, whether it's now or at any point the last few years, is weird because he has gone from – so he was – I'm just pulling up Baseball America here. So so Baseball America had him as a top 100 prospect for four straight winters going into the season up until 2019. Mm-hmm. So he was, the, he was the 61st ranked prospect, the 53rd ranked prospect, the 60th, and then the 93rd ranked prospect, and then he dropped out of the top 100 once once 2019 hit because he just he wasn't dominating the minor leagues like people might might have thought. He was a first round pick if I remember right, yeah, fifth, fifth overall. overall pick. Yeah. Um, but last year for Ro- or I should say last year, the last year he played for Rochester, which would have been 2019, um, he batted 300, he slugged 459. He he can play both second and shortstop, and so you've got this guy who is talented enough to be the number five overall pick. He can play shortstop. I'm not saying he can play. He's not he's not regarded as a great defender, um, but he's got wheels. He can hit a little bit, and they've just never really considered him at all the last right. few years. That he's just I don't think he's great at any one thing, according to people who have watched him much closer than I have. Um, but it would seem that. He's at least a viable option, considering some of the guys that they've been forced to run out. Yeah, and so here he is to help save the day. The former number five overall pick. He kind of reminds. So, I mean, even though like sorry, the, no, you're good. He, he kind of even reminds me though of his brother D, who was like, I think D Gordon won a batting title with Miami and, and was a was a decent little player in with the Dodgers. But like he he's gonna hit. He's basically like an old school like Ben Revere. Like he's gonna hit a ton of singles. He's probably gonna hit for contact. He might not take a lot of walks. I mean, he's but, got more power than Revere, but yeah, he's not sure. going to hit like 20 bombs. But, he, but he's probably not going to hit consistently double-digit home runs. But at this point, he's the fifth overall pick, and he yeah, was drafted six years ago. He's 25 years old, so he was drafted right out of high school. I don't understand why Blankenhorn gets the call right away, and if anything, Nick Gordon should probably just be here. Like, he, like there's nothing left for him to accomplish, in my opinion, in the minor leagues anymore. So I've got a question about about what I see here because I keep seeing like on Twitter references to man this feels like 2011 and I mean when you say that keep in mind what you're saying is that team that team absolutely went off a cliff but the franchise did too okay so like I don't see the parallel you're off to a bad start I get that but I don't see the parallel in saying, man, this feels like the beginning of a multi-year decline, which that signified. And by the way, I think that this front office and organization, the way it's run now, is not about to fall off a cliff, okay? You might have a bad year. I don't know. But I don't think it's like, well, everything that really worked for two years is now just going to be obsolete and we are done. But can I compare this to marriage? Because this is starting to feel like a marriage to me. And here's why. Okay. You're only noticing the flaws. <laughs> right. No, no, but after all the good stuff, like the first two years, aside from playoffs, the first two years of Rocco were pretty damn good, right? Like they won two division titles. The Zen of Rocco, he had this way about him. It all worked out. It sort of all made sense. There were times. Now, now the playoffs are a different story. But, you know, for two years, it worked out really well. And you're like, I, I love Rocco. I love Rocco. I'm in love with Rocco. Like, let's get married, Rocco. You are, you are a managerial marriage candidate. Are you, are you, were you proposing to Rocco from a stadium jumbotron? <laughs> we were on the kiss, the kiss cam. cam. The kiss cam stayed on. The kiss cam stayed on. Also, Judd, Judd turns to Rocco. And I got down on one knee and I said, I, and, and he started crying. But anyway, so, but the marriage component is this. And, and it, tra- it also goes to um, 
Falvey and the boys as well. The marriage component is it feels like all the things that sort of worked out, and you might have questioned a little bit, but hey, it worked, aren't working right now, right? And like now there's questions about Nick Gordon comes up now. That seems sort of weird. Kirloff didn't come up till now. We sort of know why, but you lied. I mean, you did lie about that. You know, you and and so the marriage thing now is we're starting to see the flaws and they're obvious on a daily basis. And so I feel like it bugs you because you're like, well, hold on a second here. Now that's not working. You know, adjust this. And he's like, you married me. I don't adjust anything. This is how I put the toothpaste away or I put the toilet paper on where it comes underneath. And you're like, yeah, but come on. This bugs but, but, me now. But, but here's the thing. I think the thing that we're that we need to focus <laughs> on is this is this is the second marriage for us with the twins. OK, OK. So so Rocco and Falvian Levine are our second wife of this generation or of this era. Okay. And we're still unfairly, we are still taking the baggage from our first relationship with Terry Ryan and Ron Gardenhire and Paul Molitor in some ways. Yeah. And we are, and we have that in our minds when, when we see, you know, this is like if you know, you're in a beautiful marriage and I've never been married twice and Judd's never been married twice, but, <laughs> I been married at all. but like, you know, you're, you're still <laughs> scarred from the first marriage and you're, you know, your current wife does something, you know, I don't know, whatever, like does something really on a scale of one to ten, like a two. Right. And you're, and you're thinking back to the ex who did that thing all the time and it drove you crazy. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and so for 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 you with Alex Kirloff, when you get mad at Falvey and Levine for not putting Alex Kirloff on a flight, for God's sake, just put the guy on a flight and, and just don't play shorthanded. Right. Right. Terry Ryan did that crap all you're, the time. This is this is all very true. The time. You're right. We're like, ah, oh, well, I think we can let Nick Punto ice his hamstring for five more days until we get home so the flight's cheaper or something, right? So some of this might be because if, if you look at this, I'm trying to balance a terrible start and no playoff wins over the last 18 years or 17 years, I guess, mm-hmm. with how good this team has been in the regular season under Falvey and Levine. Make no mistake, it is really hard building 90 to 100 win teams. It's really hard. Like, there's a lot of franchises, the Pittsburgh Pirates, for example, that never win 90 or 100 games. Building a roster good enough to compete at that level for six months and win that many games is the hardest part. And then, and then level two is, can you tweak that roster and instill the right mindset so that they win in October? And that's the level, the video game level, that the Twins continue to fail at, right? And so that's mm-hmm. been super frustrating. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm I'm trying to I'm I'm trying to personally balance, you know. You look at the last few years; they finished with a you know look at their win percentages. Sixty percent of their uh, games last year, they won sixty two percent of their games the year before. Um, they had a surprise pop up wild card year in their first year in 2017. It's like they've built a winning team, right? And we and and we definitely should be grateful for that. But at some point, all right, it's time to get to the next level in this marriage. Well, all right, time to <laughs> yeah, time, time to win a playoff game. And, t- and, and time to make some decisions here that might be uncomfortable to dig out of this 6-11 and 11 hole. And I feel like the first 16 games of this year in particular, as a whole, have been seeing the flaws. Like, there's been, like, things are going wrong, too. I, I mean, some days, things just go wrong. And so, you know, you, you wake up and you think, me and the wife are going to have a great day, and we're going to do this, and it's go- going to be fun, and I'm going to surprise her. And you're like, we're going to go and do this. And she's like, really? And you're like, oh, oh, you don't want to do that, huh? You don't want to do that. You know what? Today, I'm going to use the new column A. 
And you're like, but I don't really like the new column A that much. We <laughs> tried it last week and it didn't work that well. But the new column A, it's great. We bought it. We just bought it. We have to use it. And then Meat you're like, well, again, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then it's like, why are you using the Rogers now? Why are you using it now? What are we doing here? What? And so it's just, I feel like as, I feel like the fan base is starting to see the flaws and they might keep up and they might not. It just, it's just, I think that's why we are getting our backs up about things and we're getting upset about things when we are what 16 games in to a 162 game season. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We're, we're already like with the wild. This is all free money, baby. Right. This is no one expected. And it's a new marriage, this, right? And, and it's a new marriage. And so when they give up eight, mm. when they give up nine goals in a game, you're like, Oh, that was a rough game, but that's okay. Whatever. Exactly. Like, Perfect. And and then when when the twins do something when the when the twins throw away a game like they did against the A's you're just like and I and I am guilty I still stand by this of saying like oh classic twins they just melt in big moments right yep. it's all it's all the baggage that comes with it I will say uh, the thing that I am most happy about so far this year and all of us are is Byron Buxton not only is he this this doesn't feel like a fluke like there's some years where he might he might goose his batting average because he beats out infield singles. This dude's been playing with a bum hamstring, and he's hitting 432 in the first uh, two and a half weeks of the season. Uh, six home runs in the first 12 games for him. He's always had 30 home run power, but he's never been able to make enough contact and be consistent enough to actually show it. And so I, I hope for the sake of him, like I legitimately think he's going to be in the MVP discussion, like not even tongue-in-cheek, like this dude is an MVP candidate, and I, I think if he stays healthy, he'll be in that mix. But for him to actually be in that mix, the Twins right. have to win a bunch of games and probably make the playoffs. So do it for Byron, Twins. Yeah, but Give him, get him in that MVP discussion by by uh, winning some games here. Odds right now that you feel he can play 100 and, let's say, 40 games. Odds right now. Well, he's already missed. Yeah, I know. Just like five. <laughs> Four or five. Yeah. He's missed five. Yeah, they played seventeen. But I mean, games. he's got to play like one forty-ish, right? You know, you know who you know you know who's played all seventeen games. Jake Cave, Ivan Jake. <laughs> I can't stand it. it he's played all these Iron Man. It, all you guys do is you know him. what, dudes? He's freaking Iron Man. You know what? Declan's angst for BB should be all transferred to Jake. <laughs> Like, like, why do you hate a special teams hardworking guy who does really nothing? He does, he does very little wrong, right? I'm sorry, like, talking about Jake Cave? Or you, no, no, I'm saying take all of your BB angst and transfer it to the Cave portfolio. Okay. Like, it makes okay. no, like, you're, you're down on a guy who plays hard and plays on special teams. And I get why, I get why you don't want him to play much, but he really doesn't like, He's playing, that a, he's playing about the amount that he should. He's yeah, had Jake Cave is playing in every game. He's being used like a regular at times. Take all of your angst and put it in that basket. I Declan think, has yeah. Dakota Dozier level angst over Chad Beebe, and it and it's it's disproportionate. I say we take Jake Cave and Victor Rask and Chad Beebe, and well, we all Victor get Rask. together and just. Put him in a bin and blast him to the sun. You know, I don't know. I mean, wow. just, Why you want to kill him? Easy, Mike Preeper. Yeah, yeah. We're, well, yeah. I'm not Mike putting him on an island. I'm what not putting him on an island. I'm not putting them on an island. I'm just. I just. I think you could do better. <laughs> well, Vic, Victor Rask deserves your contempt, so I'll give you that one. I love how. Um, yeah, I just love no, how go ahead, Chad, go Chad Chad BB is is like. Well, but but you know, BB's the best of the worst of this group. But like, I I just you could do so much better than everything. Raise your expectations is all I'm saying. Raise your expectations. I'm I'm on the raise your expectations fine, crowd for sure. Uh, by the way, our twins discussions on this show, talking twins, presented by our friends at Dennis Kirk 
and DennisKirk.com. So it's uh, it's riding season. At least the calendar says it is. The weather is going to be in and out still. But if you're into riding Harleys, metric cruisers, sport bikes, whatever it is, I think we could use some Judd Vroom Vroom sound effects behind this. Go get him, Judd. Yeah. Find what you need at DennisKirk.com. 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets. Order before 8 p.m. They ship the same day. And shipping is free on orders over $89. Best in the business. DennisKirk.com. Everything you need for your ride at DennisKirk.com. Before we get into our sports movie review of the week, um, I want I want we, we talked about Maeda quite a bit with Royce yesterday. Are there players on this team off to bad starts? And there's a lot of them. Sano, Maeda, like yeah, the, the answer to your question is yes. yes. Garver, uh are Kepler. There players who stink. Yes. Are there any players that you would guarantee are gonna mm. bounce back and go mm. back to sort of closer to the peak version of what they are? Or are all of them alarms for you at this point? You know what? I don't know that alarm is the right word because some some of them are carrying over their um, porous 2020 campaigns, which I was willing to give them because of the pandemic. But um, I guess if you want to sound an alarm, the the guy that stands out to me the most is Kepler. Because I don't know who Max Max Kepler is. And I think that there's a fighting chance that he just had a really great year. I think there's a fighting chance that the ball was juiced. He was he was had a great year. It was a lot of fun, um, but I don't know that guy's coming back. I don't know that guy's coming back. And if he doesn't come back, in my personal opinion, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. But there are also potential replacements for him, so I don't think that you can sit on him for an extended, long, long, long period of time and be like, "Oh, he'll rebound eventually." I think if, I think you're going to have guys come up who can play the uh, right field, who you might say here in the next, I don't know, within the next year because it'll be a while uh might be suitable replacements that are going to give you far more at the plate my guy is column i know it sounds crazy and it sounds bold i should have gone on the record with a write that down but i just think this guy if there's a physical issue it changes the conversation but this guy has been i almost use the word steady i don't think anything about him is steady (laughs) but he's been he's been an effective reliever he gets the job done for the last like six years and he's going to make you sweat. Even his, even his best self is going to put a guy on base and fall behind and have to rely on a six, four, three double play once in a while. But you know, Eddie Gordon, he's, he's sort of the modern day Eddie Gordado in some ways. And Eddie, Eddie would make you sweat too, but Eddie would also go through stretches where he was just a machine for like three months at a time. And um, it was one of the best relievers in baseball. So I, I, I would put money on column A to, to bounce back at some point here, hopefully soon, because <laughs> they can't afford many more meltdowns like that. Or at least adjust his role a little bit, like try and dial down the pressure or something. Like It, it feels even, like he, yeah, even for just a week. Yeah. It feels like he's a guy that they need to put in a role where he can get confidence because it looks like right now he has no confidence in his stuff and that causes him to start to nibble around the plate. And then you're walking guys, and then you're hitting a guy, and then you then try to throw a strike, and it's a disaster. Yeah. So, all right, Dex, are you betting your life on any of these guys to bounce back? Yeah, you know what? I'm not your ready life. to uh, completely panic yet on Mitchie Garver. I'm going to go with my guy, Mitch Garver. I think he's going to start to bounce back. He still had some – he's had a few at-bats. He's got a couple home runs. He's got a couple doubles. Um, 
I think he's going to bounce back a little bit here. His hard he hit rate still too. all right. I know. He, do anything you can at this point, Mitchell. Change the catcher's gear. Swap out the knee pads. I don't care. Do anything you have to do to get back on track. But I, I think he's going to be all right. I don't think he was as bad as he was in 2020. He's not the Mike Piazza that and Mike Piazza from 2019 that he was when he had 31 bombs in 95 games. But I, I think he's a productive offensive catcher. That's where I'm at. That was therapeutic. Yeah. Very therapeutic there. Um, all right. Federated's also helping us with this Twins Therapy here. So they're helping business owners with risk management, and they're helping us with Twins Therapy. Federated is multifaceted. They've been around for over 100 years. A lot of smart people they call for that therapy? are helping businesses. They do for us. It's, a, it's an emergency situation here. Um, and so they also recently launched MyShield, the online client destination for risk management resources. So MyShield has all kinds of tools and, uh, and resources to help your business help you sleep better at night, help you protect your, uh, your business against things that maybe could be unforeseen. Federated sees things on the horizon because they have so much experience. Federatedinsurance.com, and remember at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. All right, let's fire this up, Dex. A little sports. Spring training begins in two weeks. Here's a list of the players we'll be inviting to camp. I never heard of half of these guys, and the ones I do know are way past the prime. Most of these guys never had a prime. The facts are we lost our two best players to free agency. We haven't won a pennant in over 35 years. We haven't placed higher than fourth in the last 15. Obviously, it's time for some changes. This guy here is dead. Cross him off, then. Here's Jake Taylor. He was an all-star in Boston, wasn't he? Yeah, wound up in the Mexican League. Had some problems with his knees. We had him two years ago. We did. (laughs) Four years ago, though. Who is that? Must be Serrano. Affected from Cuba. Wanted religious freedom. What's his religion? Voodoo. Thought you didn't have any high-priced talent. Forgot about Dorn, because he's only high-priced. Picked him up as a free agent three years ago. Still hits the ball pretty well, doesn't he? Yeah. Just can't field it. I don't recognize this guy. Say hey! Willie Mays Hayes here. Play like Mays, and I run like Hayes. Gentlemen, welcome to Sports Movie Rewind, the 1989 classic, Major League, and one of the great montage theme songs in sports movie history. I don't know what this song is called, but it signifies baseball. It does. Sounds like John Tesh. It sounds like a John Tesh it, round ball rock type of a, of a song, doesn't it? It, it sounds Actually, like that's it, a pretty yeah. good point. It just sounds like it's like on a Super Nintendo or Sega like baseball yes. intro. Like it, like you start like the it's game, the same. You plug it in. It it's sounds, a song. This sounds like it could be a John Tesh song. It probably is John Tesh. In fact, can we just Google real quick before we go any further on this podcast? And if it is John Tesh, this is why he is no longer having to work. Actually, there's no way to Google this. When you Google Major League theme song, a million things pop and, up. And it's just such a... And, and which is my intro. It's the first one that comes up is the Randy Newman burn on song from the very start of the film. I don't know if you guys oh, noticed that. was oh, Randy yeah. Newman yep. to start the movie. Oh, yeah. That's a great... I love that song. Yeah, Randy Newman. That's a good song. So, boys, Major League 1989, here's the summary. The new owner of the Cleveland Indians, former showgirl Rachel Phelps, played by Margaret Witten, played quite marvelously by Margaret Witten, has a sweetheart deal to move the team to Miami. But to break the lease with the city of Cleveland, ticket sales have to plummet. 
So Phelps hires the most incompetent players available, including near-blind pitcher Rick Vaughn, played by Charlie Sheen, injury-prone catcher Jake Taylor, played by Tom Beringer, and her, uh, but her villainous tactics accidentally foster a can-do team spirit, turning the Indians into potential winners. 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. Critics' consensus on Rotten Tomatoes says, Major League may be predictable and formulaic, but buoyed by the script's light, silly humor, not to mention the well-built sports action sequences and funny performances. An $11 million budget turned into $75 million mm. at the box office. This movie had a star-studded cast, even though some of these, some of these uh, actors were, and actresses were basically anonymous when this movie came out. But Charlie Sheen, Tom Beringer, Wesley Snipes, Dennis Haysbert, Maybe even more famous, uh, I wouldn't say more famous, but equally famous for playing the president in 24 and being the Allstate guy. <laughs> yeah, that's the Allstate guy. I have a story about that in a second. Uh, uh, Corbin Burnson, Rene Russo, and Bob Euchre all starring in this movie. Yep. So, boys, I actually, I, ha- I had one of the easiest, like, can't believe someone is betting me bet wins when I was in college. When one of my former roommates said... I think I made the comment like, oh, Pedro Serrano, rocking the Allstate commercials. And uh, after a couple seconds of silence, my roommate said, what? Oh. I said, oh, yeah. Pedro, that's Remember, you seen, I mean, we, we all love the movie Major League. Uh, that was Pedro Serrano. He goes, no, it's not. Mm. I said, oh, yeah, that was 100% Pedro Serrano <laughs> in the Allstate commercial. He goes, dude, are you what? He was like adamant that I was an idiot. And I said, what do you want to bet? We bet $100 on the spot. He, and he thought he, he was like, oh, I mean, I don't want to take your money. I'm like, I'll bet you $100 on the spot. <laughs> Easiest bet I've ever won. Take away the accent. And apparently uh, apparently Dennis Haysbert is harder to spot in these Allstate commercials. But. I think he put on some weight, too. Yeah, he probably did. Between the two of them. Because, the, yeah, the, the first time I saw him, it didn't occur to me immediately. So I could see that. I would not bet you $100, though. That's <laughs> you know, an absolute think about taking Jesus Christ as your Savior instead of fooling around with all this stuff. Jesus, I like him very much. He no help with curveball. You trying to say Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? Okay, Harris, let's not start a holy war here. <laughs> Wouldn't leave a rum sitting around out here with this group. He's <laughs> very bad to steal Joe Boo's rum. He's very bad. Foreshadowing. Very bad. Foreshadowing. All right, Judd Zolgat. First of all, have we all seen this movie before? Yes. Want to yes. make sure? Yes. Okay. Long, long time ago. I think I've seen it a couple times before yeah. this, but long okay. time. So it's oh, so this is kind of a, a refresher for you here. This well, movie. One all right. Those, so one Judd... of those ones, if it's always on TV, I always got to stop and watch it. It's like one of those mm-hmm. ones for sure. Do you stop on? Yeah, see, on I, I'll stop and watch it usually. Me too. I'm with. I'm gonna finish it, but I'll, I'll probably watch at least. A I was gonna say I, I don't finish it. Yeah. Wow. There's very few. There's very few films I. I love it. Goodfellas, I finish. Love Goodfellas. Well, what was your main takeaway? We'll start with Judd. Your main takeaway from Major League. Okay, so so to be clear, I love this film. It's great. Okay, it's a it, the pace of this film is absolutely I- ideal. To do Dex's f- favorite Zolgadian thing, if they had called me and asked, I would have said your pace is perfect. <laughs> like you don't need to alter this at all. There's nothing that you that you need to cut. There's not like the pace of this film. It moves, but it's good. Um, but my takeaway in watching it and taking notes and watching it very close was this, and this is not a criticism. They do a marvelous job of stealing the skeletal work of the film Slapshot and making it a baseball film. Hmm. The, the film Slapshot, Never thought of that. incompetent woman 
owner whose husband has died. You don't get to see her until the end, right? So it's not like it's not like ripped off uh, line for line. Um, in Slapshot, the threat that that the chief uh, the chiefs come up with is they're going to move to Florida. The threat here is that she's going to, to move the team to Florida. Um, if you go through like all of the things, the crazy player, right? You you got the crazy player in Slapshot. You got the yeah. crazy player here. Berenger's character is is essentially Reg Dunlop from Slapshot. Older guy, down on his luck, used to be good, but now he doesn't really have a place in the league, and everyone laughs at the fact he's trying to play. So, like, I never watched this film in that context before, but they do a marvelous job of, of applying what Slapshot did, changing it and tweaking it, uh, but basically – it's the same film down to the fact that at the end, the team is going to show the person that owns them that they're good and it's going to change their fortunes. That was my takeaway. Uh, we're being told by secret sources here that the generic montage track is titled Pennant Chase by James Newton Howard. The the, the song. Interesting. Okay. There it is. If you, it if sounds you like interest in it. Okay. It Thank you. Dex, what was your main takeaway? Uh, my main takeaway, two, one, uh, two of them, uh, two takeaways, one serious, one not so serious. Number one is I didn't know the 2021 Twins were the 1989 Cleveland Indians through the first half of the season, just wow. uh, being butchers yeah, in the being field. About to be contracted. About to yeah. be contracted. It reminded me of, uh, yeah, some uh, some old school Twins teams. My oh, main, I'm sorry. I thought you said 2001. I meant, I meant 2001. I didn't mean to say 2021, although there are parallels with how disastrous. I was uh, going to say, do you first, see some parallels? Yeah, the, the, how disastrous they are. Jim had naked poster they peel a piece off of. <laughs> it is amazing. Well, 2001 would have been, I think that still would have been Carl That's Pollard Carl at the time. Naked, yeah. yeah, naked Carl oh. Um But my main takeaway <laughs> is Jake Taylor is the biggest creep of all time. This is my main takeaway. Jake Taylor is the biggest creep of all time. Okay, so I, I'm all for the idea that maybe sometimes that old flames never die. Okay, like I, I can subscribe to that to a degree. But the way he goes about like stalking her and finding his her fiance's home and just the way he like conveyed like get like woos her too. Like eventually, like they had the one last night together. And it's just it, it it's cringy. It's super cringy. He's like this creepy dude who is cheating on her all the time, and, he, and like he's falling around the library, and they're spewing out their tea with one another. I, I think he's the biggest creep of all time. I didn't really put dude. the parallels together up until I rewatched it last night. I uh, I had a note verbatim <laughs> in my in my I would say uh, five hundred words of notes off this movie here. Jake Taylor, great team leader or a little bit psycho? Yeah, a little both. bit psycho. Okay, he's both. So he's, you know, let's go through the list of Jake Taylor things. I'm glad Declan brought this up. So he shows up to Roger Dorn's house at one point, like in the middle of an off day, and tells him, not, 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 this is a guy that he's known for a long time, presumably, right? They've been teammates throughout, uh, I don't know, not that long probably, but they've been around each other in the major leagues. And he shows up to this guy's house. Instead of saying, hey, man, I just, I don't want to make a huge deal out of this, but like really need you to (laughs) just try harder at their base. He says, I'm going to cut your bleeps off and stuff them <laughs> down your throat if you ever olay a ball like that again. Our guy, Danny Gladden, in real life, drove to Steve Lombardozzi's house and got in a fight in their front yard, okay? That's true. I think this is pretty accurate. That's probably true, especially this era, right? Late 80s, yes. early 90s. Yeah, we're just going to have it out. We like to out. call him Gritty. 
the stalking of of Rene Russo. I mean, the fact that he spots her in the crowd at one point. Yeah, dude. Near the at the end of a game in the handshake line, and then runs out of the stadium in full uniform, grabs yeah. the bullpen car, and then yeah. drives it into a residential neighborhood, and then just walks into her house, walks into her house, and then seduces her and yep. spends the night. Yep. And, spends, and spends the night with a bullpen car, and it works. And it works in front of her place. <laughs> Oh, man, Jake Taylor. All right, my main takeaway from this movie is that I am a huge sap for emotional sports movie endings. Like, I get <laughs> I, I start to well up at the end of Little Big League when he's when the, the there's uh, Billy or Mr. Haywood. They're still here. Who's still here? All of them. And then they walk out to a full stadium. This movie, when Bob Euchre when Bob Euchre yells, the Indians win it. Oh, my God, the Indians win it. Like, I get chills every single time. I am just, my main takeaway is I am, I always have been and always will be a huge sap for emotional sports movie endings. Taylor Bunch! Hayes around third. He's going to try to score. Here comes the throw. He slides. He is safe. Safe. The Indians win it. The Indians win it. Oh, my God. The Indians win it. And then the music hits. I mean, come on, you guys. And the great thing about that time was you, you still had Cleveland, the Red Sox, and the Cubs, right? Like, they all could identify with this long stretch of ineptitude at that time. Well, let me ask you about that because I think at that time, didn't they say it had been 37 years? So mm-hmm. it had been 37 years since they won the pennant, maybe. Maybe they lost a World Series in the 50s. In, in 54, they lost the World Series, yes. Okay. Um, the Giants. So somewhere, 36 years. And then and then the last World Series was the late 40s. So it had yes. been about 40 and years still, at that point. And still is, yeah. Yep. So we'd been about 40 years, and, and so the vibe of this movie is it's been so long, 40 years since they've won a World Series. This is the 30th anniversary of the Twins' last World Series. Do we feel any sort of the same consternation of, oh, it's been so long since the Twins won a World Series, or have the droughts of the other three men's teams washed it out right the vikings haven't won it ever and they've been around right. since 1960 minnesota right. hockey teams have never won it you know thir- 30 years is a it's your it's your turn after 30 years like it's your turn well, if you're doing the right things and it doesn't feel like it's been that long i guess is what i'm saying well yeah and but here's the thing for a guy like dex like you've never he's never seen anything like he's never seen a yeah. championship yeah. like yeah. he has no idea and i mean i'm not saying he's old but he's near. He's he's I'm closing on in on thirty. Like, like Twenty eight. He's closing in on th- on thirty, which is which I don't consider to be young because what once you get to thirty, the clock speeds up, and then the next day you're fifty. So as far as I'm concerned, yeah, like I think the important thing to keep in mind for context purposes is is for I mean we're talking about a generation of fans now who have no reference point of like for a men's team in this town who have no reference point of, like, being to a championship. They have no Super Bowl to lose because they've not been to one, right? World Series, no. NBA Finals, I'll stop laughing in a second. And Stanley Cup. 
So, so yeah, I think it feels like, I think it probably for a lot of people like Declan, this film applies to our town now because they don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe, what was your favorite part of Major League? Everything to do, and this was my first note, it was so simple, everything to do with Harry Doyle. The use, now, now <laughs> so Bob Euchre, Bob Euchre is, bri- is brilliant, right? Like, he's brilliant on Brewers games. Uh, going back to before you guys were born, the old Miller Lite commercial, I must be in the front row. And then he's in the last, like Bob Euchre's had some shining moments in his career. Mr. Belvedere, which I didn't watch, but I'm sure was fine. But anyway, this to me is the finest. This to me, the Harry Doyle stuff. Like if you took, if you had put in, if you put an ordinary announcer, like let's just say an actor in that role, and he was good, but not great. This film goes down several pegs to me. Harry Doyle and Euchre doing him and swearing and drinking on the job. Everything about that character and the way it's executed is damn near perfect. How would you guys rank the actors and actresses in order of how much they starred and shined in this movie? Is Bob Euchre number one? He is to me, personally, yes. Or is it Charlie Sheen? No, Bob Euchre to me, mate, because because it's an underlying thing where he li- he he literally takes this film and lifts it up several notches. Yeah, this this movie without like if you just had sort of generic play by play guy, this movie is much more of a dud, right? Oh, like yeah. it's still I mean, it's still a decent sports movie, but I think it becomes iconic because of the work that Bob Euchre did. Just a bit outside, try the corner in this. Like every everything about yep. him. The way that he uses his his just like generic weird color commentator guy, that broadcast school is really paying off for you. Money? That might have been that might have been for Major League. Major League Two people rip on Major League Two. Oh, I love Major League yeah, Two. I know they just re- they just replaced uh, Wesley Snipes with Omar, Omar Epps, Epps and just yeah. continued forward with Willie Mays' <laughs> yeah, character. That's so great. We, sh- we should do <laughs> that. <laughs> <in the laughs> <second. laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, I forgot about that. Yeah, I, even the euchre, euchre's in my favorite parts, too. I have two-parters. Um, and even also, it brought me back to the old uh, 1500 ESPN days with a bunch of the drops, because we had a couple of those uh, Bob Euchers in the liner drops as we were coming in and out of breaks from Stingers. And I remember, like, oh, I totally forgot this was a drop coming in out of Mackie and Judd back in the day five ball years ago. Ball four, ball yeah. eight. <laughs> Here's a sponsor. I can't find it. The hell with it. The hell with it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, I'm having foreshadowing of, of running the board five years ago. How um, great is that line, though? How yeah, great is that line? Phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Yeah, Euchre's great. Uh, it, it's pretty awesome. I also, I love, love Willie Mays Hayes. Like, also, I'm a big Wesley Snipes guy, too. Like, Wesley Snipes is great. Blade's one of my favorite movies. Um, and and Willie Mays Hayes, the way he, like, gets in the batter's box is exactly how, and, like, he does a little, like, shuffle and dance, and he, and he gets, like, obnoxious as hell. I was the same way as a little leaguer, so I just, <laughs> I, I identified with it. He only could steal bases. He could only put the ball on the ground. He tried to put it up, and he would just pop it up every time. So I felt a really good personal connection uh, with Willie Mays Hayes. He was deaf. Of all the bunch, of all the wacky bunch of that team, he was easily my favorite character. So apparently he, in real life, is not very athletic at all. And when he went, there's a note, I think at Wikipedia has it, there's some other write-ups, but like when he went to be one of the actors to go try out for this movie... He didn't show up in baseball gear. He had like dress shoes on and he's not that fast in real life, apparently. So most of the scenes you see him in are very strategically shot or they're slow motion to make him to make him look faster than he really is. 
Mm. Or the scene where he he's got his pajamas on and he's running. And the other two yeah. guys are very clearly like running in slow motion, <laughs> and they had to slow that scene down too. Oh, so so Wesley, Wesley Snipes apparently not as athletic as as you might think. Um, my favorite part of this movie, I think, is the safe for TV version of Roger Dorn walking up to Ricky Vaughn. <laughs> And everyone's nervous, like, oh, my God, Vaughn slept with Dorn's wife. you got to keep these guys apart. And then right before the biggest last out of, of the top half of the inning, he comes walking up. And, of course, he says, strike this mf or out, and then mm-hmm. walks back to third. But the TV edited version is one of the worst. Oh, really? Have you guys ever seen the dubbed version of it? I'm sure I have. I don't so, remember, yeah. the, so Dorn walks up, and, he, and you can read his lips. He's clearly saying, strike this mother bleeper out. So how many syllables? Mother bleeper. So four <laughs> syllables, right? They dubbed mother bleeper with guy. With this guy. It's like a, it's like so a when, Japanese Oh, so movie. it's like a four. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's like a late night dub. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so when you watch the movie on, on T, you know, I was going to say TBS. It's not, it's, it's, on, it's on MLB Network now. I don't know what other channels show it, but like, strike this guy out. out. <laughs> <laughs> so that, and that, that whole dynamic, like, Roger Dorn, the sleaze ball on the road, caught on camera with the gal, yeah. and then the wife looking to get the revenge, and Rick Vaughn just being oblivious and just like at a bar alone. I didn't um, know. Getting punched out in the postgame celebration, then lifted back up. The, that whole dynamic to me is amazing. All right, Joe, what was your least favorite part of Major League? The least believable part for me was was at the end. When, well, we're not to, we're not to least believable yet. Least oh, favorite, fa- favorite, least favorite. Okay, yeah. was when the owner when when they're playing the one game playoff against the Yankees, um, and the owner still wants them to lose. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why she would. They they've already so the whole thing was we're going to be as bad as possible to trigger an escape clause. For our attendance woes, then to move to the team to Florida. That well, ship has sailed. At that point in time, you you are tied for the division lead, so you uh, presumably have drawn way more fans than she was planning on. So there's no reason why she's so mad as they win that game at the end. Why she's mad? Because you benefit at that point in time, at least from from the money being brought in, right? Yeah, season ticket sales are going to go up, and then and now you're so hoping that they take next year. So that's yeah. my least favorite favorite part because i don't i the film okay so the film itself is has probably some flaws i mean it's a film i totally get that but that's like a huge one and they like they like stuck with a theme and by that point in time the theme doesn't really make sense so they should have pivoted (laughs) but i think that they were so in love with, with the fact by that point that she was the bad guy that they didn't know what to do but yeah that's my my least favorite part is that makes no sense well you're you're lucky then that they didn't go with the alternate ending which you can find on youtube so there's an alternate ending of this movie and it's a scene before that game is played where i think i think it's lou Lou brown walks into her office and basically says like i'm gonna i'm resigning after the season like this I, i can't can't do this anymore this is we're gonna play this last game whatever and so the theatrical release includes added scenes of Rachel Phelps showing dismay with the team's success. And then an alternate scene included in the uh, special edition DVD shows Lou Brown confronting her in her office about her plan to sabotage the team and announces his resignation. Phelps then reveals the threatened move to Miami was merely a ruse to motivate the team. 
And as the Indians were on the verge of bankruptcy when she inherited the team, she couldn't afford to bring in star players or maintain the amenities. And she tells Lou Brown that she felt he was the right manager to bring the ragtag group together and that she was doing it all. She was like doing it all to save the team from bankruptcy, but to motivate them at the same time, which makes zero sense. They showed this screened version to a crowd before it came out to the public, and they booed it off the screen. Mm-hmm. And so they cut that out. It's like, no, just let her be the villain. Why is she all of a right. sudden like on the bandwagon? At the but end? she so wouldn't weird. have cared by the point that I'm t- talking about. Like she would have actually been like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to benefit from this. So yeah. that to me was sort of weird. Yeah, I read Dex, that. Your yeah, I read that too, and like I, I've watched. If I if these games uh, movies aren't available free, I usually watch them on Amazon Prime. And then Prime has this function called X-Ray. So if you rent a movie or watch a oh, movie yeah. on, on Prime, it's called X-Ray. And if you like pause at any part of the movie, it'll show you all the actors in that scene. It'll show you facts about this scene or this movie. And I was reading about that, too, the one that Bill's talking about. So then I looked up and watched, and I found the deleted scene, too. And, yeah, I think it's hilarious that they tried to even pull that on the original part. Uh, my least favorite part about this movie is just the like unnecessary love triangles. So, like... Just the whole love scenes in general and like and the pursuit of women in this movie. So like I already talked about Jake Taylor and like him trying to chase his his old flame and she's with this like richy snobby artsy fartsy dude. You have uh Charlie Sheen sleeping with his teammate's wife. Like I just felt a lot of the stuff was completely unnecessary. Like I, I kinda get it because you need some type of funny factor. It can't just be baseball, baseball, baseball for an hour an hour and a half, but I just I didn't really connect with it. I didn't really like it. I didn't really like the love, the unnecessary love, love parts of this movie. Yeah, I actually. So I, I'm fine with most of. I mean, the, the scenes are very outdated in terms of like <laughs> how women are treated by men and how they're just submissive, and you can just steal them back from their fiance. Right. Vaughn gets used by Dorn's wife. What are you yeah, guys talking yeah. about? That's true. Actually, there's a there's a woman empowerment scene there for sure. Yeah, uh, but I think my least favorite part was. I'm torn between two. One of them's least believable. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna go with this one. I'm gonna save a, a relationship one for least believable. My, the, my least favorite part of this movie is in the final sequence, and maybe Jub was gonna go here too. So Jake Taylor calls for the suicide squeeze. Yep. Right? He does the all right. Hey, I got an idea here. <laughs> Willie Mays Hayes is on second. Yes. They're never gonna expect me to bunt. Let's right. do a suicide squeeze with him on second base. I'll drop the bunt down. He will he will steal with the pitch. He mm-hmm. will steal with the pitch. Yep. And so he will be almost to third base when I lay this bunt down. Third baseman's going to have to come in, throw it to first, and by the time all that happens, Willie Mays Hayes will be halfway to home and we're going to win the game, right? And my least favorite part is two pitches were thrown. Right. This is a suicide squeeze, okay? <laughs> I wrote this he thing. calls for a suicide squeeze? <laughs> so, the, so the play is hot. The play is hot. Willie Mays Hayes is, is told to steal third base while a bunt is in motion, and the first pitch is a brush back, and he doesn't go. Mm-hmm. So, and then it's not like there's a reset of the signs. Like, okay, now that the brush back happened, now the play is on. The play was on on the brush back pitch, and so Willie Mays Hayes would have been stealing third on that first pitch. Yes, yeah, you're right. It kind of, kind of, kind of ruins it a little bit. Like, it it just makes it. That's like, really inside baseball, but you're right. Right. I wrote it. No, I wrote right. the exact same thing down, too. And it's not my main least believable part, but it mentioned it because I thought the same thing. I was like, wait a minute. They do the sign. He brushes him back. If if the suicide squeeze is on, then he's just going to do it again. The second pitch like it wouldn't it wouldn't have worked like that. The, but the suicide squeeze like he would have no matter what happens on that first pitch. Willie Mays Hayes is taking, is off, taking of the off the pitch if the, if the sign's on. So yeah. did Willie Mays Hayes miss the sign? 
and then and then oh shoot, then he saw it the second time. Right. Or if they're gonna if they're gonna do the brushback thing, I get it. Like he's he's pointing to which, to sell the home run thing, which I also hate. There was no reason for him to pull the the Babe Ruth point. Well, it, it, to add drama. Yeah. No, I know, drama. I, I know, but it, it, I didn't need it. <laughs> I didn't. I think, but I think it throws you for like it, when you're watching it for the first time, you don't you don't realize he's gonna bunt. And so, right. you're, like, you're no, thinking this I is know. his last hurrah. I mean, Jake, Ta- Jake Taylor, Jake Taylor, and Journey, he's, you know, he's going to get up there and point to the bleachers. I, I don't know. Jake Taylor, man. Uh, I do. At some point, here, with, I will, I will give you some, some, some projected statistics from some of these baseball players that people have put together. But let's get to Declan's least favorite part. Right. Or no, we already did that. Yeah, sorry. Least, least, least believable. believable. Judd Zilgad. Least believable part. Um, okay. I'm going I'm to go back to the last game. And this, to me, Euchre should have told them, rewrite this scene in this sense. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, when the Indians win, he says they win the pennant, right? They won their first pennant since, whatever, 1948, I think it is. Um, it's a well, one he, said, he says, oh, my God, the Indians win it. Did okay. he say the pennant? I thought he said the pennant. But anyway, the point being is it's a one-game playoff. It's a one-game playoff which then would, in 1989, put you into the playoffs against the Yankee or against the American League West champion. And they were treating that game like it was going to send them to the World Series, I felt. And, and are we to assume that this was... And I thought movie, he said pennant. This movie came out in 1989. Are we to assume that this was the 1988 Major League season? Yeah, I mean, in, in which case, if they would have gone to the championship series, which is where they would have, then they would have played the because they would have come out of the East, right? Yankees. Yep. East. Yep. So yep. they would have been playing the Bash brother, McGuire and yes. Canseco Oakland Athletics with Ricky Henderson. Yes. That would have yes. been I, I'd watch a movie, just a seven game series between that ragtag Indians team and the no, Bash brothers no. A's team. The only series that I want to see from a film that we have uh, we, that we have done is the Kings and Knicks, okay? That's the only series. <laughs> That's the only championship series. Okay. But anyway, so he said I I've got in my notes that he said pennant. He may have, yeah. And it was a, but I mean it's just a one game playoff. It's cool that they won, but that's it's a long way from well, I, I have the clip. Yeah. We'll it'll play from start to finish. Let, let's see if he says pennant. Taylor Bunch. So he just said so he might have said it. Yeah. But I thought they said pet. I thought at one point in that game during the course of that game that they mm-hmm. said pennant. There was a lot of talk about the pennant, how they haven't won the pennant. And so, yeah, there might, I mean, let's be honest. They, they missed a few important details of like baseball yeah. and stuff. So uh, who would have won in, in the, in the hypothetical scenario here of the 1988 playoffs? If the, if the ragtag oh. Indians play the athletics who swept the Red Sox in four games, or if they beat the A's, get to the World Series, would they have poured cold water on the Kirk Gibson L.A. Dodgers win in 88? Those A's teams in the playoffs were phenomenal. They would have gotten – Cleveland would have gotten swept in, in four. Now, if they would gotten to the Dodgers, I don't know, but I do know this. 
those A's teams absolutely decimated you. So my guess is yeah. my my guess is that ragtag bunch might win a game against the A's in the playoffs, but they're gone in five. All right, least believable for me, real quick here. Um, it's a tie with, with with two things. It's how Lou Brown wasn't managing in the major leagues before this is beyond <laughs> me. So this dude. <laughs> was the 30-year manager of the Toledo Mudhens, they said at the beginning. He's been a minor league manager for 30 years, mm-hmm. and yet he jumps in and takes a group of like street-free agents and guys who have been in the Mexican League and motivates them to win 90-plus games and, and win the division. He discovered that Rick Vaughn needed glasses to become a lights-out closer. Like All the things that he figured out as manager and the buttons that he pushed and no one discovered for 30 years that this guy like, this guy can't <laughs> even get a third base coach job in the bigs. He's just been the, the Toledo Mudheads manager for 30 years. Alright. Alright. Good good talk. Uh, and and then the other thing was Jake Taylor when he in one of his moments of stalking when he walks in and the fiance, Rene Russo's fiance is hosting this like cocktail party with his art gallery friends. Yeah. Alright. These people have some money, but like Jake Taylor has been a professional baseball player and major league all-star who's worth millions of dollars, presumably, for years. And he walks in and they all like punk him and laugh at him because he plays for the Indians. It's like, you're telling me a major league freaking all-star walks into that room and people are going to like dog him? That's yeah. not how society works. A, 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 a high caliber, high profile pro athlete walks into a room and people gravitate toward him. So I thought that scene was like, like we're gonna we're gonna punk Jake Taylor, like major league baseball player, least believable thing. All right, mine. I hate to go here, but it's Ricky Vaughn. My most least believable wow, part of this dude. entire film is Ricky Vaughn. So wow, number dude. one, he he just what couldn't. Do, what are you doing? He just he just couldn't see. He couldn't yeah, I'm, see I'm for the here. entire time. Second, yeah. he yeah. he starts yeah. the film. He starts the film. I I believe as a reliever. Like he's clearly like a closer or a reliever or like this super yeah. kind of like high leverage guy. You know, he's like a hey, Josh, yeah. he's, he's like kind of like Josh Hader. He's like this high leverage dude. But then, I don't know if you notice as they get on the stretch, he starts like all the vignettes are him pitching, him pitching, him pitching. And there's a part even where Euchre says when he's on the mound, he's leading the league in strikeouts. So either mm-hmm. two things, either he is pitching every single day or he's a starter, reliever, closer hybrid. And it doesn't make any sense. Also, when he when he goes, this is early in the movie, when he goes to like that super elegant restaurant, and the dude is literally wearing he's shirtless, wearing a yeah. vest with a tie at this like very elegant it, Cleveland restaurant. Like there's yeah. zero way he would have been admitted there. Um it, this, the entire perception of Ricky Vaughn throughout this entire film, I'm sorry. It it, it doesn't make any damn sense. All right. I'm I'm gonna help you piece some of this together. All not all of it can be pieced together. And by the way, uh, there's an article on minorleaguebaseball.com that projects Rick Vaughn's career stats, and they have him as playing uh, the 1989 season as his first year in Cleveland. So it just depends on what year you think this happened. Okay. So they had him at 41 games pitched and 19 starts, sort of like Francisco Liriano okay. in like 05. Yep. Where okay, so we don't. We don't trust him quite yet as a starter. There's still some things to iron out. But then, like, he becomes a starter maybe halfway through the season. And then the explanation for why he's pitching out of the bullpen at the end is, like, all hands on deck, right? It wasn't his – maybe he started two days earlier. And uh, and they weren't going to be able to run him out there on no rest. So he's available out of the bullpen. So that mm-hmm. explains him going back to the bullpen. He had a complete game in there at one point. Yeah. So he was definitely a starter. But they project him in 1989, 41 games, 19 starts – 
129 strikeouts in 114 innings, so you wouldn't rack up enough innings to lead the league in strikeouts, so I'm with you on that one. But they had him They had him the next two years. And by the way, a 3.79 ERA, but also 89 walks in 114 oh, innings. That's Ouch. a lot, dude. So he's putting a lot of guys on base here. Uh, but they had him the next two years as right in there in the Cy Young mix, man. Like 32 starts in both years, uh, ERA around three and a half. They had him in 1993, injured, did not pitch, assuming that's Tommy John surgery, blowing out his arm from throwing 100 miles an hour for four yeah. years. Yeah, he so, did, yeah. So I feel you. I mean, I think um, I think there's some some holes to poke there. And sure. the, that's why in a scene near the end where, where they're talking about the one game playoff decks, that Lou Brown calls him back on the bus and says, "I'm not going to start yeah, you. Not going to start you." And so yeah, so he had become like a starter and had been supposedly good, mm-hmm. but they didn't completely trust him for that game. Totally. Um, here, here's a question though, off Vaughn. Serious question. Did this start the trend, because I don't recall it before then, oh. of Major League teams bringing their closers in with a song? Like, mm. like not just a song playing, but I mean, like, this is my song. You'd have to tell us. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, I don't remember, but I mean, it seems Did Rick cool. Aguilera ever have a song? In like I don't think he did. 90s? I don't think he did, but Some I mean, Hoffman by the 90s in Hell's San Diego at Hell's Bells. Rivera had enter Sandman. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that was the genesis for the idea of like our closer has a song. Love it. You guys want some more projected statistics from some of these guys? This is hilarious. I love it. Uh, This is a website called like hotharduddle.com. How long did Jake Taylor play for then? Can can you find that? Let me see here. Because he would have gone back to like 1982 or something. Right. Because he was at, he said three years in the Mexican League before he signed, right? He was there for three years. Or in the late 70s. Yeah. Yeah. So, and he was an all star. Three years in the Mexican League. He's Oswaldo Arcia. Yeah. Three years in the Mexican League. God. Um, Jake Taylor. I'm having trouble finding Jake Taylor stats here. Somebody, man, this is amazing. Somebody did like scouting reports on a baseball development website. Taylor calls a good game. I'll give him that. Let me see. Let me let me go through some of these. There's a there's a someone created a starting lineup of like baseball movie stars and had their stats. So Willie Mays Hayes, 282, 13 homers, 67 ribs, 49 stolen bases. I think his average is probably lower than that. I don't think he was a big on base guy. No. I don't think he had the power necessarily to hit 13 homers. Although Omar Epps was was hitting homers in the second one. Uh, Benny <laughs> the Jet Rodriguez, 305, 25 homers, 48 stolen bases from. I love it. Sandlot. A-Rod. Okay. Uh Clue Haywood from Major League. Mm-hmm. So he's the he's the the thumper from the Yankees, right? Mm-hmm. 282, 37 bombs, 115 ribs. Steve Alboni. Pedro Serrano, 289, 39 bombs, 109 RBIs. I'm sorry, his struggles what? against breaking balls, there's no way he's hitting 289. And 109? <laughs> no. No, he'd have few, way fewer RBIs because he wouldn't be getting like yeah. a, a single to drive in a run. Like he would just be hitting home runs. Yeah. Um, I don't think they have Jake Taylor. It doesn't. They have Eddie uh, Harris. <laughs> William, did he get? They have Willie Mays Hayes uh, stolen bases. Was it, was that on there at all? Yeah, forty. It's like forty eight or forty nine. Okay, Got it. I yeah. like it. And then Ricky Vaughn. They had him projected at one in nine with a four eight eight ERA. 80 strikeouts and 37 saves. So they had him blowing like nine saves. That's a lack of respect for Rick Vaughn right there. That's hilarious. Complete lack of respect. Um, would you guys rather have Lou Brown or Rocco Baldelli managing the, the 2021 Twins? <laughs> That's a great question. You know what? Lou Brown might be good right now. 
I would take I, Lou Brown. I feel like sure. Lou Brown will come in and say, get in the boy, guy's face. Yeah, boy, boys, what's happened has happened. We got to get out there and play harder. Yeah, Lou Brown. Give me Lou Master Brown. Motivator. Mm-hmm. I really want to say Lou Brown. I really do. Well, then say it. The master motivator. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll go. I'll go with it. I know what yeah. I'm getting with Rocco. Um, and then, and then, uh, which of these near extinct baseball things do you miss the most? Stolen bases, bunting and small ball, spitballs, or charging into catchers? All things that happen. In oh, this for me, this is very, so simple. Give me charging into catchers any day. <laughs> give me, give me the old home plate collision. You know what? Jake Taylor had bad knees because Jake Taylor was subject to the game that we no longer see. Home plate collisions. Love it. Uh, all right. Believability of sports action ratings here. So one through ten on the believability of the sports action in this movie. So Little Big League, 8.7. Mighty really Ducks good. and Draft Day both at 2.7. Yep. <laughs> How would you grade Major League in terms of believability of sports action? Judd. I actually thought that they did a pretty good job with the action itself. The story, the storyline of how they wrote it was flawed, really flawed. But the action itself wasn't awful. I'm going to give it a six. I, I think that's fair because I'm weighing, I'm weighing the actual baseball scenes, which felt like they did some work. Like they didn't just punt. Um, but then there were like yeah, Charlie Sheen was a high out. school pitcher. Yeah. Like- but then to your point, Phil, there was major flaws in the writing of the action, which I also can't ignore completely. So I'm going to give it a six. Okay, Dex? I think it's a five, to be honest, just because, like, the whole them being super bad news bears, uh, Charlie Sheen, 12 wild pitches, setting an American League record, the double suicide squeeze, the least believable part of, of the whole part of the – they put the sign on, they brush him back, and then he still runs the second pitch. Like, a, a lot of the marquee moments – Zero chance that I think that happens in a baseball game. Um, so I, I'm going to go with five. I think it's a complete. That's a five. Yeah, there's some hokey stuff in here. It's a seven and a half for me because I think, I think they did a pretty good job of making guys look like they were major leaguers. It wasn't. There's some movies where it's like that guy's clearly never swung a bat before, and so they they hid some of that stuff pretty well. So uh, the the re- the reason I have little big league higher is because they used actual major leaguers throughout their movie to make it yes. look more major league. Absolutely. So, so I mean, that means it's a 6.2 out of 10. So it makes it the second most believable movie out of the four that we have reviewed. All right, now 1 through 10, just entertainment value, straight-up entertainment value for this movie, 1 through 10. Little Big League, 7.3. Mighty Ducks, 7. Draft Day, 6. I will give it a 9. I think it's fantastic. It's fun. It moves. It moves. They they could have dragged this on, and they did not. Like, it's it's all done very well. Yeah. Um, It's enjoyable. It's a 9. It's good. Dex? It's an 8. It's an eight for me. Um, it's a it's it's a fun movie. It's goofy. Uh, it's hokey. I love Wesley Snipes, Char- a young Charlie Sheen, uh, Blossoming. I I love it. it. It's a it's a movie that I always yeah, like. I said I like to stop and watch if it's on TV. For me, it's an eight. It's an eight out of ten. It's a ten for me, dog. I, I knew nice. you were going ten. Me, man. I knew it's Phil was going good. ten. I'm a I'm a baseball lifer. It's I get emotional at the end of this movie because I just <laughs> I just love like I love when teams try like when Kobe hit for sixty points. I almost cried. Like I just love like peak elation sports feeling. So I can't imagine if the Vikings ever win a Super Bowl, I might just be a ball of emotion. Uh, so it's a it's a nine overall score between the three of us, which makes it the most entertaining sports movie we have reviewed to this point. And boys, we're going to, we have now sort of created three little silos of our sports, of our movie review franchise, where you got sports movie rewind, we got rom-com rewind, 
and the original was Action Movie Rewind. Mm-hmm. We did about 45 or 50 action movies, and then we went on to some of these other genres. Mm-hmm. And so we all agreed behind the scenes this week, we're going to bring Action Movie Rewind back for its turn in the spotlight for the next few weeks. And I have gone through, we have a bunch of movies that people have asked us to review. I have four here that I would love for one of you guys to just, ra- we'll do a random selection here. But the four that stand out that we should choose from, we're gonna go. We're gonna go to the Mount Rushmore here in a lot of ways. Just we're we're not gonna mess around. Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger, oh, cool. Cobra with Sylvester Stallone, Kickboxer with Jean Claude Van Damme, oh, Lord, help us. and Rush Hour, one of the great '90s action movies. Ooh. So um, let's just have Declan choose a number. Mm. I'm gonna shuffle these up mm. here. Okay, okay. Mm, that's some good stuff. Mm. Yeah, little well, Arnold the Chargers. The Chargers. All right, I'm going to shuffle these up, and Declan, you go ahead and choose a number one through four. Okay. I will go with three. <laughs> Cobra with Sylvester yeah, Stallone. Cobra. Is Cobra. our <laughs> one Cobra's going to be worth some uh, some Way loss. to go. Let's do let's do those four movies over the next four weeks in some order. We'll start with Cobra next week. Fi- final thought off this film. Renee Russo is the female Kevin Costner. Oh, she's great, man. She, but, but I'm telling you, she plays the same role for a woman that Costner plays for she just a plays, man. She just, she just plays Renee Russo in every movie. Exactly. Yeah. She's just sort of this, you know, at the end of this film, she's at the ball game and she holds up her hand and the ring is gone. She's no yeah. longer engaged. But I, th- I think that this was her first big role. And it set a trend in all her films, Lethal Weapons that came along, everything. The, a ton Thomas, of sport- the, the Thomas Crown Affair is my favorite Rene Russo. And she's good. She's good. Yeah. But she is very Costner-like, and she ordinarily, not all the time, ordinarily just plays herself, which is sort of the female Kevin Costner. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a grab special. Yeah. She's uh, Thor's mom, too, in the Marvel movies, in the, in, in the recent string of Marvel movies over the last 10 years of Hemsworth. She yeah. plays Thor's mother in it as well. Great run for her. Mm-hmm. Great run for her. And that is a wrap on Sports Movie Rewind, the Mackie and Judd Movie Rewind franchise taking the world by storm. Back to action movies next week. We'll see you guys. She'll replace you with somebody who will. So after this season, you'll be sent back to the minors or given your outright release. Well, then I guess there's only one thing left to do. What's that? Win the whole... This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. The Venture X Card from Capital One gives you more of what you love, like premium travel benefits and access to Taylor Swift tickets. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. Plus, get access to Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Maybe I'll see you there. 
the Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.